0: Bless you and welcome to Net Session 11. In this session, we're going to be speaking about faith for healing. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16, if you would. I want to look at the signs of a believer. After Jesus was teaching his disciples and his apostles, what what was going to happen after he left? And he said, "And these signs are going to follow the ones that believe." And in verse 17 in describing how they could know who believed and who didn't. This is what he gave as criteria. He said, in my name they'll cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it would by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. These are the signs that Jesus said would follow those that believe on his name. Those that believe and were saved by believing that he was Lord. that would believe the teaching and the preaching of those that were going to go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Well, tonight I'd like to look specifically at healing. We've been talking about faith. We've talked some about prayer. And tonight I want to look specifically at healing. In Psalm 107, verse 20, it talks about his word. And remember, we need to know his word so we know what is available to us. If we don't understand what he has said, we don't understand his word, we can't have faith for that which we do not do not know is the will of God. We have to know what is the will. That's why we have to be able to say, it is written. We have to know what is written so that we can then begin to act on what has been written for our admonition, understanding, edification, and comfort. And it says in verse 20, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Now, Jesus is the Word. He's the living Word. And when people approached Jesus, healing was available to them. When they came to Jesus in faith, they received that which they desired. Even those that He was not sent to, for instance, Gentiles that came to Him, if they pressed in because they had faith, they still received the blessings that they were after. When The blind man, Bartimaeus, heard that Jesus was in the area. He cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the people tried to quiet him down, but he cried out all the more. And he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, Bring him to me. Because he cried out, he sought, he asked, he knocked, he pressed in. And because of that, he was brought into the presence of Jesus. By coming into the presence of Jesus, then he was able to receive that which he desired. And in his case, it says he was healed, and then he followed Jesus. Now, Jesus is interested in healing people because he loves people. But one of the greatest ways to convince people of the power of God is to meet their need. And with a physical need, God is willing to meet those physical needs. One of the greatest evangelistic tools there is, is the power of God ministered by believers with faith. Healing. It's a calling card of God to call people To him, to his heart, to his desire. If we can bring people to Jesus, there's healing available. If we can go into his presence, there's healing available. In Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 3, are prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. It says, He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, which is the word pains. And acquainted with grief, which is the word sicknesses. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised, and we did not esteem Him. Surely He has borne, carried, taken away our griefs, which is the word sicknesses, and carried away our sorrows, which is the word pain. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chast- chastisement, for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Now this was prophetically spoken long before Jesus walked on earth and yet it was spoken in the past tense because there's no time involved in the supernatural. When you enter the realm of eternity time does not exist. That's why when you are walking in faith you Speak it into being before you actually hold it in the senses realm. Faith believes before it sees. And here Isaiah was prophesying in the past tense, that which was going to become available, but was available to them then as a promise. And then he said, by his stripes, by what he has accomplished, which was only accomplished in the realm of eternity, because it still wasn't accomplished on earth, but yet by those stripes, by that torment, They are healed. Present tense. Now in Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Jesus acted out that prophecy, took those sicknesses, bore those infirmities, cast those demons out with the word laid hands on the sick and they were healed. In 1st Peter, the apostle Peter also quoted this in chapter 2 verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So he puts it in the past tense in this in the fact that it is past tense now, even in the earthly realm. He has already done it on earth, which was in Isaiah's time, in the future, but in eternity was already accomplished. That's why we have promises that are now attributed to us, even though we're still in the process of working towards our inheritance. But as long as we're faithful, he attributes to us that which has not been available to us yet, only by entering the realm of eternity. By being in Christ Jesus. But by his stripes, we were healed. So when we are sick, the scripture is still true. We were healed 2,000 years ago on the tree with Jesus. He bore our sicknesses. He bore our iniquities. He was a curse for us. Now it's up to us to receive that. Just as much as he died for our transgressions, so that we can then be saved, He died for our salvation, past tense, we still need to receive that salvation. We need to confess Jesus as Lord. We need to believe God raised Him from the dead to receive that which was already accomplished 2,000 years ago. Same with our healing. There's a battle over whether we're going to manifest that healing because there's a battle over whether we're going to manifest that salvation. The enemy doesn't want us to manifest in this world that which Jesus has received on our behalf. So therefore, we need to understand we were healed even if we don't feel like we're healed. We were healed even if we have an infirmity. We were healed even if we are stricken with a sickness. We still were healed, and now by faith we can receive that healing. It is a gift, just as much as salvation, for us to receive if we'll take it by faith. Because it was already attained by Jesus Christ for us. Just like in days of old, when they came into the presence of the Lord, they were able to receive healing. We also still have healing to this day available by coming to the Lord. He sent his word and healed them. Jesus is still the word. When we know the word, it makes us free. Freedom comes from knowing the truth. The Bible says... In John 8, 32, that you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus is the truth. By knowing Him, knowing His will, knowing His desires for you, and often knowing some supernatural fact that you cannot know by your own senses, you will be released, or you'll help someone else to be released. As Jesus, it says, He would pray for the sick, cast out the demons, in order to fulfill the prophecy... That he bore their sicknesses. Now, that was before he even got on the cross. He was bearing their sicknesses. We need to imitate Christ and we need to be burden bearers for others. We, as believers, have an opportunity to be mediators, to lay hands on the sick, to, with our faith, bring that supernatural blessings from God from the cross to the person that needs that healing and deliver to them that gift of healing that they need, that they so desire, and thereby be a bridge between them and the Lord Jesus Christ, allowing them to come closer to Him. Because He is the burden bearer. But we are to be yoked with Him. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. If we're yoked with Him, we're able to do these things in His name as His ambassador. We must believe That the Lord is not only able, but also willing to heal us. If we're not convinced about his willingness, we can't receive the healing. If we're not convinced about his ability, we will not receive that healing. We've got to be convinced. When that man brought his son to Jesus, he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. But he came to Jesus. So he was in the right place to get help. And Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes. Well, sometimes we can be the bridge that raises the faith, that brings that person up above the level that they need in order to receive that healing. Because one can chase a thousand, two can chase ten thousand. By coming together, you can lift one up out of the pit, it says. You can stand there as Jesus Christ did, and you can minister the grace of God. Third John chapter 1, verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper In all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. When translation says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. This is the will of God. We've got to know what his will is as well as his ability. God is interested in our prosperity above all things. Especially the salvation of our souls. But including prosperity physically. Psalm 103, 2 and 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, and who heals all your diseases. So which iniquity, or which disease, or which sickness that you would have, would you then believe it wasn't his will to heal? And yet we still convince ourselves that, well, maybe he's trying to teach us something. Maybe he's doing something. Well, let me explain something to you. Even... In testings and trials, God will teach us, but it's His will to get us out of them. Even in sickness, God will teach you. He's not going to waste your time. But He didn't cause you to be sick, and He's willing for you to get out of that sickness. And He's willing for you to help someone else to get out of their sickness. He's willing for you to get somebody else out of their place of iniquity. He forgives all iniquities, and He heals all your diseases. It's not that there's some iniquities that He won't heal. Or he won't forgive and there's some sicknesses that's not his desire to heal. That's not true at all. And yet that's taught many times. Many times I believe that's taught as an excuse for lack of faith. Because often man, rather than admit that maybe the problem lies with us, we think it must lie with God. Well, I'm here to tell you something. The problem never lies with God. The problem always lies with us. You see, because the devil's always against you, God's always for you. The battleground is right here between our ears. And what we do is going to decide the outcome. So the question is not whether God is willing to heal. The question is, does he have the ability in in the spirit? Yes, he does. But does he have the ability on earth? Only if we supply the faith. Because he certainly is able. He created the heavens and the earth. He's able to heal any sickness and every sickness and all sicknesses at once. It takes faith, though, in the earthly realm for him to act with the supernatural power. God wants us to prosper in all things. We've got to know and we've got to believe the promises in his word. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love life will eat its fruit. We need to confess and we need to profess what is true until you believe and you receive. Like those witnesses that were given. They confessed it. They saw it afar off, but they confessed it. They professed it. We need to do the same thing. We need to stay faithful with it, not allowing doubt. We need to understand that just like they never they never saw what they were confessing and what they were having faith for, and yet the Bible still says they had faith. We may believe for some crowns that are eternal, but there are other things that are available now. And we need to stay faithful, for instance, for healing, until we receive it. It's God's will for us to have those and manifest those things now. Did he ever say that there wasn't going to be an adversary that would try to talk you out of it? He never said that. He warned you that there would be. That's what faith's all about, to take dominion over those thoughts that come, words that come, doubts that come. But he's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. By that sound mind, we speak sound thoughts. We speak the word of God. We say what is written. And we say it even to our own selves, in our own minds. And we become overcomers, and we receive the promises of God by his power and authority. In Exodus fifteen, twenty-six, it says, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. One of the redemptive names of God. He was the Lord that healed them, but yet it was conditional. It was his will, it was made well known to them. But that will was conditional upon them keeping certain promises to him, certain covenants with him. It was a covenant relationship that God made to be their healer if they would do two things. Listen and obey. That's what that says. If they would listen and obey, he would make sure that none of the diseases came on them. So if diseases come on us, has God changed? The problem doesn't lie with God. The problem lies with us. And we understand sometimes things happen that we didn't personally cause, but we may inherit, or we may be influenced by, or they can come and affect us. But nevertheless, the problem is never God. The source of the problem is always on earth, and God can help us get to the source, take the ax to the root, and His power can be manifested. We need to listen and obey. That's gifts and character. They are both a part of receiving from God and giving to others. Exodus 23, 25, and 26. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer a miscarriage or be barren in your land. And I will fulfill the number of your days. Because you believe in healing, does that mean you're never going to die? There's many men of God that believed in healing. And it says in in Hebrews, it says, and these all died. Because on this earth, we have a, a number of days that have been set for us. But it's God's will that we would fulfill those days. And that we would be in health Throughout those days. As Moses, when his days were fulfilled, and he went alone with the Lord. But until that day, even his eyes were not dim. 120 years old. He wasn't feeble of need. He was healthy right up until that day. Elijah, another great example here. He was getting up there in age. And yet, by the Spirit of God coming upon him, he outran the chariot of Ahab. And yet, he was taken up in the whirlwind. But what God desires is that your days be full. And that every day that you have would be filled with his glory. And that means we need to understand his will in light of healing and be able to take dominion over all the power of the enemy. He wants to take sickness away from the midst of us. Ecclesiastes 7.17 says, Do not be overly wicked nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? What he's talking about there is character and how it can cause us to die before our time the things of this world get in they can rob us even of life whereas truth gives life Galatians 3.13 tells us this Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law that having become a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now let me ask you a question when Jesus hung on that tree for us he became a curse for us and broke the curse that was upon us, didn't he? Does that mean then that there's never a curse that could ever come upon us that would never need to be broken? Does that mean that when we're saved automatically every curse is manifestly broken? No. In the spirit it's broken. Now there's authority. Whereas just the minute before you were saved curses were there that maybe were generational. They may be manifested physically, but nevertheless they may be generational. However, there was no authority that could be used over that. Maybe medicine, maybe operations, maybe the things that man could help and could even heal. Because God does the healing even through what man does. I think what Benjamin Franklin says, God does the healing, the doctor gets the fee." <laughs> but our bodies were designed to heal. If God wanted to use sickness to punish us, then why doesn't our body receive what God wants to punish us with? or torment us with, or chasten us with. Our bodies fight it. Every chance it gets, our body fights sickness. God set up your body to fight sickness, to try to expel sickness. It needs help sometimes. Because of the fall of man, there's things that come against this body that it needs help in the supernatural with. And that's what divine healing is all about. And when we receive the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive all healing. We receive all curses broken in the spirit. But now we may need help manifesting those things in this realm. And that takes faith. And that takes the authority of sons of men to bring the power of God into this realm. Jesus, is not, not only was he the curse, but he is the cure. Now Matthew 4, 23 and 24 says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those who were demon possessed, epileptics and paralytics. And he healed them. He didn't sort through them and, and find the categories of the which, which ones he felt God wanted to heal. And leave the rest out because after all those are sin related. Or those are the ones that God is punishing them with. Or those are the ones that God is chastening them with. If God were chasing them through their sickness, Jesus would know. And whom the Father loves, he chastens. So therefore, we want to—we don't want to get in the way of the love of God, do we? Now, can God teach you through your period of uh, struggle and overcoming of sickness? Certainly he can. But his will is that you get healed. Jesus healed them all. Remember when he went into the... Capernaum, it says, that not many were healed, not many mighty works were done there because of their unbelief. Not because it wasn't Jesus' will, but because of their unbelief. They chose, for whatever reason, not to receive the blessings of heaven. Because it takes faith to receive those blessings. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He could do those great works because God was with him. If we will be with the Lord, we will do those great works. He said we could do greater works than him because he is going to the Father. And if we're in Christ and Christ sends us, then the Father can be with us. And we can manifest that power on this earth. And his will can be done on earth even as it is in heaven. It's a powerful truth that God abides with the obedient by faith. Now Matthew 9, 18 through 21. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him. And so did his disciples. And suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. Did she read that in a book? Somebody tell it to her. No. She said within herself. She said to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Now she probably understood scripture. She understood that there were, in Malachi it says there would be healing in his wings, which is the word hem of his garment. She understood that probably. She probably in the spirit somewhat understood this must be a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Not the high priest down in Jerusalem, but this is a higher level. And if I can touch the high priest's garment, I will be healed. Because no one else has been able to help me. She said within herself, she confessed it, she professed it, she believed it. But then she had to go there and do that. She had to get into the presence of him, and she had to touch the hem of his garment. I'll tell you a story one time. I was asked, uh, as I was traveling, uh, before I got to a certain town, I was asked uh, if I would baptize a certain woman. And she was from another country, but uh, she, had, she was wanting to come to the, to the city where I was gonna be, even though I was just visiting some friends, wasn't really any meeting set up it was just meeting in the home and sharing some bible and it was just on the way to another place i was going but this woman had wanted to be baptized in water in the name of jesus but in her country uh, or at least in her city for years she had asked ministers if she if they would baptize her and they they all said they would if she would join their church and she had said in her heart that she felt God would heal her of the disease that she'd had since she was a child if she could just be baptized in Jesus' name. Not into a particular denomination, but just into Jesus' name. And so they got a hold of me and asked me if I would be willing to do that. And I said, well, I would be willing to do that if she believes in the Lord Jesus. She's confessed him as Lord. I'd be happy to baptize her in water. That's exactly what Philip said. He would baptize the Ethiopian, if he believed in Jesus, so she did. Well, as it turned out, when we got there, there were after I shared a little bit about baptism, a number of quite a number of people decided to be baptized. So we baptized them in the water. And as I said, I didn't know what she'd said within herself, and and yet after she was baptized, as my manner is, I I generally would pray or prophesy. And in this situation, because I wanted to get the prayers on tape, I asked people if they would mind if we did the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then when we would go back uh, to the residence where we were gonna get together, I would then pray for people. When we got back there, I began to lay hands on people, well, I laid hands on Celeste. And the Lord revealed a number of things to me. I, I saw some visions in my spirit, and I prayed for various sicknesses in her blood, uh, coming through her liver. I just saw different things when I prayed those things. And what I didn't know was she had a disease called lupus, which I guess is incurable, but sometimes can be treated uh, to keep, be kept in bounds or something. But she'd had this since she was a little child. She had to be very strict with her diet. She had to be, And yet she'd been face, patient all these years because she just said within herself that she could be baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, just into Christian, to be a Christian, to be baptized into the body of Christ by a man of God that she would be healed and she was now I didn't know what she would said in herself but God did and then the Lord revealed some other things to me because she had also said in her spirit she she felt like the Lord was saying that on the day that she was healed that also the prophet would reveal to her her calling after, after I was done praying for her the Lord began to reveal other things to me about what she was called to do and I spoke those things to her humbly also, again, not knowing what the Lord had put in her heart because of what she had said to herself about her healing. On that day, she received her physical healing, baptism into the body of Christ in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and a vision and direction of her calling, which changed her life. She wrote me a letter that as she was on the plane, when she left on the plane to go back to her city, that she she was running for the first time since she was a child, running up and down in the airport and going to all the different restaurants and tasting all kinds of food that she could by no means eat just shortly before. And even years later, as she's corresponding with me, that healing, but it's because she said within herself. And by her faith, she was healed. I just got to be the mediator. I just got to be the bridge. God did it, and he chooses to use his people to impart those healings but it takes faith just like this woman said within herself if I only may touch the hem of his garment I will be made well but Jesus turned around and when he saw her he said be of good cheer daughter your faith has made you well and the woman was made well from that hour see what is available and believed upon with faith will be received now this woman was probably emaciated physically you could probably tell she had had this sickness. She was probably thin, uh, probably because it had to do with the blood, she was probably very pale, and yet because she believed and she went up there with faith, she received immediately that healing. But does that mean that she immediately manifested all attributes of that healing? It's possible, but not probable. In every situation where healing is delivered, the symptom may may still remain for a while, even though the root is taken away. When Naaman went to the prophet of God and was told to dip into the Jordan seven times to be healed of leprosy, when he went out the sixth time, he still had leprosy. It did not He didn't lose a sixth of it each time until the seventh time, but he looked the same until he fulfilled that seventh washing and then he was restored totally whole. In other words, in his situation, not only was the root taken away, but all symptoms disappeared because it says his skin was like that of a baby. In every situation, every symptom doesn't disappear, yet we still have to believe in our heart what has been imparted. Sometimes people will receive and even feel something in their body, even though it may not appear on the outside, but they still need to walk in faith that it not be stolen from them because there is an enemy called the devil who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So we need to understand. While the healing may come immediately the symptoms may linger for a while and we can't let the senses take away our faith which has been given to us which is supernatural verse 23 and when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing he said to them make room for the girl is not dead but sleeping and they ridiculed him but when the crowd was put us outside he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose and the report of this went out into all the land. Now, there came a time when we were in India some of you remember this where, where I was speaking they brought a woman in that was terribly terribly physically vexed. She actually had to be partially carried in and helped into the, to the room. And As the night went on I, I just really in my heart had compassion for this woman who was obviously very vexed. Spirits uh, as well as very physically vexed. She looked quite old and my heart just went out to, to what I thought was an old grandma. And when I was done speaking, I wanted to pray for her, but I was immediately whisked away to go pray for the men. And after a while, one of the leaders came and got me and said that this woman had died and they needed me. And I thought, in my spirit, I thought, I mean, in my mind, I thought, why didn't she let me go before she was dead? <laughs> That's what I thought. But what came into my ear in the spirit was the words she's not dead, but sleepeth. Now if you've read King James you'll know that terminology. So when I heard that word I knew two things. Number one, that wasn't me thinking that because I don't speak in King James. I don't say to myself, thou shalt get up today (laughs) or thou shalt not get up today. (laughs) I say, get up. (laughs) Get out. Go, Lord. I, I say to myself, You're healed in Jesus' name. I don't say, Thou art healed in Jesus' name, Lord. So when that came to my spirit, my spiritual ear, I knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking something to me. Because it was right out of the Bible, right out of the King James, very much the Word of God, but it was said in such a way that the Spirit was letting me know, so there was no doubt in my mind it wasn't my mind. So immediately when I heard those words in my spirit, She's not dead, but sleepeth, I immediately came in my mind to this record which I had studied. And I I knew some things from this record that I immediately needed to imitate. The first thing I thought is, well, do I need to put the people out? And the Spirit said, no, go to the next step. So I went over and I prayed for her, even though she was on the floor surrounded by people. And I prayed for her and then I asked two men to lift her up. She didn't get up, she still was laying there when I was done praying commanding life. They didn't want to touch her, but then they did. (laughs) And when they lifted her up, she breathed and she was fine. What was really remarkable was not only that she was up and moving, but then the next day when we saw her again, I for the first time realized she wasn't an old grandmom, but she was a young woman, really in her mid-twenties. So not only did she receive her breath life back, but she received healing in that in her physical body to the point that she was I don't know how many years <laughs> were taken off of her I wish we had before and after photographs but we don't just after <laughs> by understanding his word and moving in faith I can guarantee that if I'd said oh I better take an hour and go pray I, I would have lost the momentum of what the Spirit had said and there wouldn't have been faith to minister to her but the Spirit said she's not dead but sleepeth confessing in this realm what is available from the heavenly realm. In Matthew 9:35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Every sickness, every disease. Now that's a goal I like to see in my life in ministry, to where everyone that was prayed for and every disease that was amongst the people that I was ministering to would be healed. But Jesus was able to do it, and it is available. Even if we never attain it, we will still believe that it's available. We must be convinced of his will to heal, or our faith will be destroyed by such prayers as, if it's your will to heal, Lord. Pray with faith. So many times it's the fear of men that keeps us from walking in faith. Because we're afraid to confess what we're believing for, Because we're afraid someone will notice if it doesn't happen. Right there we've got a doubt. You've got to step out in faith that there is no chance of it not happening. And even if it never happens, you still have to have the faith that it is happening. And not have the fear of man, but have the fear of God. Care more about what God says, that he says, by his stripes you are healed. Rather than by man's word about you. By, hey, you don't look any better. Boy, can power come with words. You've been sick and you get prayed for and you walk out and you feel great and somebody right away says boy you look terrible. <laughs> now you've got to deal with the word that just came to rob you of the word that was spoken with faith and you've got to cast those words out. Cast those things out of your mind. That's where that's why we have to know how to renew our minds so that we can control our thoughts. Because the devil will hit us and those words will come and try to rob us of that which has been given to us. It's been given to us in Jesus' name. Not by anything you've done, but by what he's done. One time I was in bed at late at night, and I just felt a sickness come on me. It was a I think it was a sore throat. And it was just like boom. It was just, it wasn't there, and boom, there it was. And I said, Lord. I'm going to take the meaning over this right now. You know, often you don't think about the spiritual things like you should until after you're already into the physical. But the way it should work is as soon as something physical comes that's contrary to what we would desire to immediately go to God. And so in this situation, immediately I went to God. And I said, now, this isn't right. This isn't from God. This is something in the physical that the devil wants to put on me, and I don't want to receive it. And so... I I began to list things to God. Lord, I've done this for you. Lord, I've done that for you. I've been working real hard. I've been really trying to serve your people. I've been a servant. I've tried to do my best. I've given my tithes. I've given offerings above. And I I started listing, listing all my good works and all the things I've been doing for God. And I was just almost ready to say, and so therefore, because of all these good things I've done, I want to be healed. And just as I got to that point, I realized That all my good works are as filthy rags compared to Jesus Christ. And there's no healing in my works, but there's healing in His works. And just as I got to that point, and I said, And these are the crowns that you'll be giving me. So I cast these crowns at your feet, and I receive my healing, not by what I've done, but by what Jesus Christ already did. And I take my healing now, and I was healed immediately. I went the right way, but I almost went too far. And see, the devil would have allowed that to go into pride and to self-works, self-righteousness, instead of claiming the healing because of his righteousness. But healing is available. And the quicker we get to it, the sooner we can get the healing. Why let it go full term and let that wait till the next morning and then have a full-blown sore throat or a full-blown virus or something that you then have to. You still have authority over it. But why not deal with it as soon as it comes? Let's take care of the attacks. That's why we have to have our mind always on him. Keep our eyes on him all the time. That should be our goal. Matthew 8, beginning in 22 through 25, it says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought him a blind man, and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and he said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored. Excuse me. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Now here's the situation. Jesus found this blind man. The band begged him to touch him. Just touch me. He he did more than that. He spit on him. <laughs> You have to understand that in their culture, they believed even the spittle of a holy man had healing. So he was doing something that culturally to them would make sense. But I would imagine even in that culture, it might be shocking. Sometimes it takes a shock to bring us to a place of faith. Well, he put that spittle on his eyes and he said, do you see anything? And he says, I see men walking as trees. What that was, a man that could not see at all, now began to see blurry. And probably what he saw was men and women going back and forth from the out, from, you know, into town with firewood on their shoulders, as they would do on those streets, coming in with the firewood and looking like branches on top of the man. So men walking as trees, but whatever it was, he saw it, but not clearly enough to see it in its detail. So Jesus laid hands on him again and finished the job. Now, often in light of healing, we we get disappointed because we confuse healing and miracles. Not every miracle is a healing and not every healing is a miracle. Walking on the water was a miracle, but it wasn't a healing. Paul getting sick and then getting better wasn't necessarily a miracle, but it was definitely a healing. Many of those that walk with gifts of healing, special empowerments in the spirit of healing and imparting healing, do not necessarily walk in miracles of healing or in miracles in general. Nevertheless, people are healed consistently by the gift that flows through them. The healing may be imparted and then manifested in time as the body manifests that healing. So don't get discouraged because of misunderstanding and confusing the two. Certainly, it's wonderful to have a miracle of healing, as any miracle is a blessing to have. But don't be robbed because the healing has been imparted by the gift of healing and not necessarily through miracles. Healing is a promise. A miracle is not always a promise. You need to listen to God rather than than to what your senses are telling you. You're praying, you've got to believe. I prayed for a woman one time in another country and she it was in a line of people that we prayed for and by my senses there was no problem whatsoever but the Lord revealed to me a cancer in her body and I prayed for her in light of that cancer that that cancer be removed I commanded it to be gone that was that went on to others prayed for goiters to fall off some of them didn't fall off immediately but later see if you go by your senses you think well that, nothing was given well, later I found out from the pastor of that church that this woman because he questioned her cancer what do you what was he talking about well it turned out she had known that she'd had cancer but she didn't want to tell anyone but ever she had had it in that in that country uh, where where men still give dowries to the parents on behalf of a woman she had saved up quite a dowry herself to pay the uh, not the man giving it to the to the parents but the parents giving it to the to the man when he married her and often the woman will work and save up a dowry also if her parents aren't able and then that would go to the husband when they would be married but she had never accepted any offers for marriage and she always gave the reason that she didn't have enough dowry or she wasn't interested in the man but in reality because she knew she had this cancer and she's was setting up for an operation and she didn't want that money to, to be used for anything else because she wanted to be healed of this cancer before she would be married and then put this burden on her husband But because that was revealed by the Spirit, by the speaking of it, even through a translator, she immediately received it with faith and was immediately healed of the cancer, which no one else knew she had. She went to the doctor. It was proven that she was cured. And everyone was able to glorify because nobody knew anything about it. But God revealed it. Faith was there because no man revealed it. And then she was delivered and able to be married. You can't let your senses deceive you. She looked perfectly fine. You need to listen to what God is saying to you, not what your senses or what man is saying to you. One time, a woman came up in a, in a prayer line to me, and she wanted me to pray for her. Then she wanted me to pray for her daughter, her, her son, her husband. Now, her son and her husband were not there, so I was praying by laying hands on her, and she was standing in proxy for the husband and the son. I remember when I began to pray for her husband, I saw a vision of a bottle of whiskey. And I asked her, does your husband drink? And she said, yeah, he does. He struggles. And I said, it's a spirit of alcohol, isn't it? I said, alcoholism. And she said, yes. And I said, well, let me pray. And of course, that built her faith immediately right there. Not only was he not there, but I had no way to know that. So when I spoke that to her, her faith rose. And in proxy for her husband, now I don't know. I never heard a report back on her husband. To my knowledge, I've not ever met him. But then she asked me to pray for her son. It's an adult son. And he, he was having terrible, terrible stomach problems for months. And he'd gone to all the doctors, all the specialists. They'd done everything they could. They'd tried all kinds of medicines. And she asked me if I would pray for her son for this ailment that he had in his stomach. Well, as I had my hands laid on her and I began to pray for her son, whom I never had met, never seen, didn't know anything about. But as I began to pray for him, immediately I felt something in my back. And the Lord said, will speak to me, figuratively speak to me, by sort of gently pushing or squeezing or or giving me a tingle in a part of my body which will inform me in a spiritual fashion something that he wants me to know that's not able for me to know in the senses. So as I was praying for her, for her son, she told me he had a problem with his intestines and his stomach. As I began to pray for him immediately, God was telling me he has a problem with his back. And I told her this. And she said, no. And she was adamant. It's his stomach. Don't pray for his back. Pray for his stomach. And I said, I'll tell you what. I will pray for his stomach. But I'm going to pray for his back first. Because that's what God's telling me to pray for. And it won't hurt for me to pray for his stomach. But I'm telling you that I have to pray what God shows me. Because what God shows me, I can have faith for. So I prayed for his back. And she was a little irritated with me. I did not pray for his stomach. But... She was a little irritated, I could tell, because she wanted me to pray for that stomach. What I didn't know until a number of, actually months later, uh, when the story came back to me, was that she went home and told her son uh, what what had happened that night and how I was adamant about praying for his back. Now, he had an operation scheduled for the day after this because they'd done everything they could without cutting him open and nothing helped. So they were going to do the last resort. They were going to cut him open and see if they could find out what the problem was. What he did when he heard this was he said, wait a minute. You know when this started? It was right after I was kicked off that horse. He said, I'm gonna postpone this operation and I'm gonna go to the chiropractor. It can't hurt. He walked into the chiropractor's office and the chiropractor, of course, being trained to understand the bones and how they're supposed to work. When he walked in, the chiropractor took one look at him even from a distance says, oh my goodness, What is wrong with your pelvis? And as they looked at him, from that horse throwing him, it had knocked his back totally out, and his pelvis and everything was out of kilter, and it was in such a bad shape that his whole insides and intestines were twisted. And it was like squeezing them shut, like putting a bottleneck in the the jar top, top of the jar. And so when that chiropractor just worked on him one day, now he went back other times, but the first treatment him of his stomach problems. You can't go, it doesn't mean you disregard what people tell you, but it can't be as important as what God is telling you. Because God will tell you what man does not know. And you can speak it into being. In Acts 14, 8-10, through 10, it says, when Paul was in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb. This man probably had no bones in his ankles, but he had no strength In his feet. In other words, he could not stand if he wanted to. That's why he was sitting. And he'd been born this way. He was probably born with parts missing in his feet or his legs. He had never walked. And this man heard Paul speaking. And Paul observing him intently and seeing, and that's the word perceiving, that he had faith to be healed. In other words, what would you see that would tell you a person had faith? You would have to perceive something in the spirit to know that they had faith. You can see actions, but you can't see faith. Faith often comes as we act, but you have got to know in your spirit. And so Paul perceived in his spirit that he had faith to be healed, but if he had faith to be healed, yet he'd never been healed. Why? Because it takes faith, but it also takes the empowerment of God. There needs to be someone, there needs to be some manifestation of the presence of God. Just faith alone won't do it. God also has to bring the power. But power alone, without faith, God won't overstep Your inability to have faith. We need both. So in this situation, Paul perceived this man had faith. So then he brought the power of God to him. And said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and he walked. You see, he perceived it. He didn't go over to him and say, do you have faith? Do you understand faith? Would you like to learn about faith? He perceived in the spirit he had faith. He spoke the word get up on your feet and he did it and it was impossible for him to do it because he was missing things in his legs he had never walked before he didn't have the opportunity to go through the crawling stage and the toddling stage he had to get up and jump up and he did it and Paul had to be able to not be so concerned about what everybody might think if he said get up and walk and the guy looked at him like he was crazy he had to have more fear of God than fear of man and so therefore he spoke it with boldness not with doubt but he, he didn't go through and explain to him. He just said, get up. And he got up. And he was healed. Sometimes you just need to take action on what you perceive. Don't analyze it. Act upon it. Don't try to understand it. Don't get it in the senses realm. Don't try to go by what other people have said and what they haven't said. Go by what the Lord is saying to you. If you tell them to get up and they don't get up, you didn't hurt them. But if you don't tell them to get up, they'll never get up. And if you do speak it with faith, they will get up. Sometimes it's the word of knowledge that you receive. It's the special word. It's that exact word that needs to be spoken that brings faith into that situation. For instance, when I saw the vision of the man with the bottle. That brought faith into the situation because here I was bringing information which was impossible for me to know. And it was a word of knowledge for her. So therefore, when I brought the next word, which was a word of wisdom for her son... She, even though she doubted it and was a little irritated with it, she still carried it out, but I wonder if she would have if there had not been that word of knowledge to prove to her that God was in that situation. It built the faith enough to where she actually carried the message. Another time I was praying for a man. I'd never met him before. And I, again, felt like the touch of God's hand on my lower back. And I told him, I said, I I didn't ask him. I said, I want to pray for your back. And I prayed for his lower back. And I prayed for his whole back, but I specifically prayed healing into his lower back. And when I got done, he was shocked and amazed, and I looked on his face, and he says, how would you know about my back problem? And I said, well, I don't know anything about him. I just know what God showed me just now, which was, you know, I didn't explain all the details. He says, I've got a metal plate in my back, and I haven't worked for however many years it was because uh, he'd had an on-the-job injury, and he couldn't do most things. But because that healing was imparted, gifts of healing was imparted, but by that word of knowledge and the way it was spoken, his faith rose, and he decided that nothing in the senses realm was going to rob him of that healing. So even though immediately the pain didn't go away, he claimed it in Jesus' name, and the pain very shortly went away. And when he he went back home, he began to do things he'd never done before. And very quickly, he was off of disability. Now, some people don't want that because they're used to the disability, but he took action, even as even as blind Bartimaeus did, by throwing off his beggar's robe, getting rid of that which brought him that income without work, he would rather have his eyesight. Well, this man would rather have his health in Jesus' name. And because he walked out in faith, God, not only did he manifest his healing, but he's walked in it. And there came a time when he overdid it. He told me the story. When he was, begin- he was so involved now in using muscles and, and, uh, and his vertebrae and so on and doing things he'd never been able to do for years, since his injury that he actually got in a situation where he was moving rocks around in his garden and his backyard and he picked up one that was way too big for for anybody and he picked it up and he realized he was in a situation now where he was going to do damage to his back that had been healed now there's no guarantee in scripture that says if you get healing that you can't go damage it again if you break your leg and God heals it there's nothing that says you can't go break your leg again now, you can still get healed of that broken leg that you go get broken again, but the point is is that if you have a broken leg, and you get healed of a broken leg, and you go break that leg again, God didn't take your healing back. If you get healed of a cold, and you get another cold the next day, it's not that God took back the healing of your cold, it's that you got another cold. Now, you can get healed of a stomach ailment, and then start having doubt, and that It'll seem like that stomach ailment came back, but in reality, it's a new one that's come and just taken the place because of your faith, which is lack of faith in that situation. So here he was now, he told me, with this great rock in his hand, but because he had confessed his healing so much and walked in it in so much joy and had glorified the Lord so much in that healing that here in this situation he realized he was in trouble and he realized he was in danger of injuring himself again and he prayed out to God and God honestly sent an angel and took the rock from him and set it down. Rather than, he went to another level of not only did he receive his healing, but he had faith because of that healing that he didn't even allow because of his, un, not using wisdom I would say, you know, I'm sure you would agree. And yet, because of that, his faith went to a higher level and God actually supernaturally sent an angel to get him out of us. another problem. This man now walks in tremendous signs and, and miracles and wonders in evangelistic sense. When Jesus many times would speak words of knowledge, it, it might be different for, for anyone. You, don't, you may not know why what you're saying is just the right word to say. You don't know. Only God knows the heart of that man. But if he's given you a word to speak, speak it. It's, it may be that word that brings faith. Jesus had various different words of knowledge which would bring people to a place of faith. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven stretch forth your hand, stand forward, take up your bed. All these were different words of knowledge that Jesus would use to bring a person to a place of faith to where they would receive their healing. In Job, the book of Job, you know the story of how Job was sorely vexed and terrible things had happened to him and to his family, and physically he was vexed. He had said in Job 3, 25, he says, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. He was confessing these things, and they came. He had no rest. We need to find that place of rest, because with Jesus there's rest. Even in times of trouble, we need to find a place of rest. It says we can have joy in tribulations. It doesn't say we're joyful about the tribulations, but we can have joy in tribulations as long as we're with the Lord, and he'll go through them with us. Because he's been tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. So, he said, trouble comes. Now, it could be a situation where he was afraid of it, but God was revealing it. And there were things he could have done but didn't do that could have changed these things. In other words, sometimes we notice things are coming. We have an opportunity to pray. God is giving us understanding and wisdom that's supernatural, that we can then sometimes pray and take action against it. In this situation, however, he was taking action. He was giving uh, giving offerings daily for the things that he was afraid were going to happen. But they came. What did he say? Job 2.13. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. These are his friends. And no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his grief was very great. And after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Who did it? Job did it. Your words hold power. You speak words of doubt, you're gonna manifest those words of doubt. You confess words of life, you're gonna manifest life. You confess what is written, you're gonna manifest what is written. You hide the word in your heart that you would not sin against him. Job was certainly vexed, and under the pressure, he even cursed the day of his birth. Cursed his own life. The power of God, it says in Job 2.3, was against him without a cause. You see, in other words, Job was a righteous man. He hadn't done anything wrong. Only thing you can find were words that were spoken. Many spoken against him by others, but even words that he spoke. That's the only thing you can find that opened the door, that allowed the accuser to come and vex him. How was this power of darkness over Job broken? How was this sickness taken away from him? In Job 42, 10, it says, The Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends and gave Job twice as much as he had before. Sometimes in order to receive the healing that you personally desire, that you personally believe is available, yet you have not manifested yet, you need to just go out and pray for others. You need to stop thinking about you, and you need to start giving to others. And in the process of giving, many times, that brings you to the place of faith, to where you receive that which you've been confessing, but you haven't manifested but by praying for others you begin now to think of others your compassion goes out to others you're working to give to them and lo and behold you manifest the healing that you have so desired and sought after but like Job have not been able to attain in order to understand why it's not coming to you even though you haven't done anything wrong by praying for his friends he manifested the healing which couldn't be brought by any other means I can't tell you how many times deliverance has come not because I had a need for deliverance, but because I had a willingness to give. If you're sick, get prayed for. Then take up your bed and walk. Go pray for others. If you can't get up out of bed yet, start praying for them right then. Thank the Lord for your healing. Receive it with gladness. And then move on. Begin to give of what you've received. Begin to manifest even what you haven't seen manifested, but you believe in your heart you've received and you will manifest it. Now, it talks about in the Bible to pray for the elders if any man is sick. And they will anoint him with oil. And by laying on of hands, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. I just want to briefly mention biblically the, the, the doctrine of laying on of hands. Because laying on of hands is a point of contact. Many times a point of impartation that's necessary. Or not always necessary, but many times necessary for that healing. But because in James it talks about calling for the elders, sometimes people believe that only the elders can pray. But that's not what we saw Jesus said. He said those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But if you understand in the early church the requirements for eldership were that you would walk in integrity and walk and be a believer and manifest the power of God. So by calling the elders, anointing with oil, you could expect that there would be faith there. But Truly, signs follow those that believe. Well, seven things I see scripturally that are for the laying on of hands. One, for healing. One, for baptism of the Holy Spirit. Another, for blessings and protection. To pray for a person for protection or to pray blessings on them. Many times a father will bless his children by laying on of hands, or pray protection over them by laying on of hands. A fourth one, to anoint a successor. Now, these first three, for healing, for baptism of the Holy Spirit, and for blessings and protection, are really things that any believer who has faith can do by laying on of hands. Now, biblically and scripturally, you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit being imparted by apostles. But once it's imparted, we walk by faith, we can impart it to others. Apostles generally begin the new work, bringing into being that which has not existed. But once it's existing now... We can walk in faith and bring those things into being also by faith, by believing. And Jesus said, they will speak with other tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. They'll cast out demons in my name. So a believer can do these things. Now, number four, to anoint a successor. Now, in terms of ministry, this would not be just for any believer, but this would be somebody in ministry. For any believer, let's say in business, this could be done in their business sense. So this is sort of a transitional period where you see The other ones that believers lay hands on for those reasons. And now we're moving into those who walk in authority, in certain authorities that not every believer may be delegated. Okay, number five, for pronouncing judgment. For instance, a policeman might lay hands on you to pronounce judgment on you. (laughs) But he has an authority to do that. In the church, there is also a laying on of hands to pronounce judgment. But there has to be an authority behind that. Not just anybody would do that. Although some people might think they can do that, without the delegated authority, they would be stepping out on their own, into their own soul. Number six, to call out gifts to the church. The gifts. He gave gifts unto men. Many times we can lay hands, and then if we've got the authority to walk in that office and in that empowerment, we can call out the gifts out of that individual, or we can impart gifts to help manifest the power of God in the church, to the world. And then, number seven, to separate out the gifts, basically, to the work of ministry. In other words, to ordain leadership, to ordain eldership. To separate, to not call them out and identify them, but also to ordain them and to commission them with the proper authority. This can be done also by laying on our hands. Now, as a believer, Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. What does it take? It takes belief. It takes faith. But it also takes action, because it says, these will follow those that believe, they'll lay hands on the sick. So it takes, number one, the faith to take action on laying the hands. Just because you have the ability to believe, doesn't mean it's been manifested. You have to take action on that ability, with the faith, and lay hands on someone. Does this mean that every healing comes from laying on of hands? No. Does this mean that every time you lay hands on the sick, they're going to recover? No. Because it takes both laying hands and faith for that to happen. You can lay hands without faith and nothing happen, or you can speak it without laying on of hands, and it might happen because of faith. But what Jesus is telling us to do is go lay hands on the sick, because it's going to give you that added empowerment that you need, especially to get started successfully, successfully seeing healings. To lay hands. Use oil if necessary. Because it's an impartation of the Holy Spirit. And if they've committed any sin, they'll be forgiven. Sometimes that oil, by faith, covers that sin that you may not even know is holding back the healing. Jesus taught his disciples to do that and he's teaching us to do that today too because he's still as interested today in the healing that we need to see manifested. And the only requirement it takes for someone to get out and pray for the sick is that they believe. That they would believe. That they would believe is the requirement to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Well, you must lay hands and pray in order for the Lord to have something to act upon. He doesn't necessarily tell you ahead of time. But by stepping out in faith, laying hands on someone, then you put yourself in a position to receive from him, so then you're in a position to give that which you've received. So I want to exhort you, every one of you, to take time between now and the next time we meet and make a commitment to yourself and to God to lay hands on someone, at least one, and pray for them with faith. However the Lord might stir in your heart, whether you know or don't know what their sickness is, what their need is. But lay hands on someone and pray for them with faith and watch God act. But put him to the test. Ask, seek, and knock. Put yourself in a position and bring that person into a position to receive from God that which we know He has already attained for us in the heavenlies and that we can now manifest in this realm if we will but walk out in faith and believe. Amen.